0: Hello, it's Monday morning, and this is a special bonus episode of Inside Briefing, the podcast from the Institute for Government. So why are we back in the studio? We're here because on Saturday morning, 10 a.m., Sir Philip Grutnam quit as the Home Office's Permanent Secretary. But he didn't just quit. In an astonishing, unprecedented move, he gave an explosive press conference and announced his intention to bring a case of constructive dismissal. None of us has seen anything like it. So, to take stock of what's happened, why it happened, what it means for the government, we've assembled our crack production team, thank you, and the IFG duo of Alex Thomas, who leads our work on the civil service, and Kath Haddon, whose many hats at the Institute include leading our work on the role of ministers. Kath, just last Thursday we were here, right here in this studio, discussing the role of permanent secretaries and how Mm. they worked with ministers and what makes for a good working relationship and so on. And we knew there were problems in the Home Office, but what happened over the weekend?
1: Well, we don't know what happened behind the scenes, and we can only assume that Sir Philip Rutnam has been at least considering this course of action for some time. Uh, But, I mean, it was a massive shock. I was, you know, sitting at home waiting for... Uh, to go off to my mother's house and then suddenly everything seemed to go mad um, Now we do know don't we or at least there have been
0: reports that there were at least a couple of meetings with the cabinet secretary Mark Sedwell last week trying to sort out what had happened the clash between the permanent secretary and his secretary of state Yeah
1: and Rutnam himself said in his statement that he had been offered a payoff uh, and to go quietly but had decided not to do that and then wanted to bring this case of constructive dismissal instead uh, so obviously decided to go in the limelight you know he'd got the cameras there he'd got sort of uh, clearly was expecting this to be a big bang moment so he he, in that sense knew what he was doing Uh, but it was a big shock to the rest of us
0: and it's uh, this is not someone who is um, in the branch of uh, in, in show business, is he? I mean, this is not someone who's liked the limelight, as Kath said.
2: No, uh, Philip. He's not someone who sort of seeks the limelight. Um, uh, he's your quintessential civil servant. Um, so, uh, whatever the rights and wrongs of the the case, I think we can certainly say that Philip felt he had been pushed to a uh, to a sort of unprecedented d- d- degree to, uh, to to take such action. He's he's not someone who uh, is on the more showbiz end of the civil service,
0: and I'm not. Sure well, there is a showbiz end of the civil <laughs> service but, 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 but we know what you mean this really is unusual isn't
2: yes, it? really. I, I can't think of another case like it. We've all been uh, trying to work out, uh, you know, if there's any comparison, uh, bringing out our best stories of uh, of senior officials who've resigned, but none I can think of have done it in such a public
1: well, way. I mean, the thing that strikes me is that I can't even think of that. There are a few, but there aren't that many political resignations that really compare with this. Everyone talks about Jeffrey Howe's resignation speech uh, in the House of Commons and that impact on uh, eventually Margaret. That after departure. You know, you've even got Sajid Javid. Uh, what was barely a few weeks ago, which at that time seemed quite a shocking departure. But even then, it was very. He made some quite pointed remarks, but he actually was very careful in what he said. Right. And, and there was
0: Ivan Rogers. Uh,
1: advising there was the Ivan Rogers the yeah. EU. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's probably, in terms of officials, certainly for for most people, the one that was most explosive. But even that was not as specific as this one. Uh, I mean, the line that I thought was most telling when he was talking about allegations about whether or not the home secretary had been briefing against him uh, and as alex says this you know we we don't know at all what what actually did happen but he said in his statement i regret i do not believe her i mean that's a shocking thing for a permanent secretary to end up saying about his political boss and it was about this his, his allegation
0: was that she had conspired or anyway not intervened yeah. in, in a campaign of and, and that she had said
1: him. it was nothing to do with her you know again there will be there will have been lots of conversations behind the scenes about All of this that clearly led up to and pushed him over the edge, but... Uh, yeah, we still don't know whether or not this would end up in court. I mean, normally some kind of settlement would happen, but there's there's options for the government of accepting liability and having a settlement but still not having it go to sort of the full tribunal. So I think we'll wait and see what happens on that front, but the government will be very lu- reluctant to end up uh, having to involve witnesses and, and all the, the, the rigmarole that that would involve. But I think, I think for the rest of us, it's all about the wider ramifications of this. So
0: let's go on to those. What does this tell us? for a start about the relationship between Permanent Secretaries and their Secretaries of State.
2: It tells us that it's complicated, that when you've got two experienced professionals who are almost quite randomly put together, um, it's not that surprising, actually, that, that- they might not get on, or they might have different approaches uh, to the issues that they're dealing with there. And there, there'll be uh, you know, two two significant figures. What is unusual is, is as we've been saying, how it's played out so publicly and so um uh, so dramatically. Um, it, it it also shows that it's the accountability arrangements and the uh, and and the responsibilities are complicated as well. It's really not clear in this situation uh, exactly uh, what the Secretary of State has done or what the Permanent Secretary has done, and and how they should be held. Accountable and responsible, and um, that's one of the uh, one of the uh, sort of features of our system for the last uh, you know, decades and, and longer is that these things have tended to get uh, mm. hushed up, have tended to be uh, managed very uh, quietly, and sort of with uh, heads held high on both on both sides. Maybe that's coming to an end.
0: Do you think then we're moving into an era of just more inquiries, if you like? Uh, Philip Rutnam's been calling for an inquiry into uh, some aspects of the Home Secretary's uh, mm. uh, behaviour. Uh, there is already an inquiry. Into the Home Office's dealing with the Windrush uh, affair where yeah. Philip Rutnam was, was, uh, took part. Yes. Do, do, we, do we get more of this out in the open and these relationships spelled out by this rather ponderous mechanism of inquiries?
1: Well, I mean, on one level, you should not have them out in the open in the same way as you would sort of public inquiries into, or in the case of Windrush, it was an inquiry done for the department so we still haven't had this published but this is an HR issue so therefore you would not expect any sort of you know investigations into it to reach the public eye um he's put it into the public eye but most of the time anything like this in any kind of um Place of work should be investigated behind the scenes to protect both the accused and the accuser. Um, so, you would not, in, in that sense, expect it to come into the public eye. I think the thing that's going to change in this is whether or not civil servants end up, or senior civil servants end up, in a more contractual relationship with their employers. Well, it um, has reminded us uh, and the whole world that civil servants, even
0: if an awful lot has happened, you know, to sort these things out behind the scenes in mm-hmm. the past, they have access to employment law, like absolutely. They do every other employee and employer uh, in in the country. And perhaps, as you said, it's getting more contractual. But what about the role of the Cabinet Secretary, who in the past has try to sort out a lot of these things, maybe well, even in the present.
1: That, I mean that goes to the heart of the, the problem that Alex has identified that it has in the past been help, you know, managed through kind of behind the scenes, let's think about whether or not we can resolve this uh, let's think about whether or not we can quietly move the Permanent Secretary uh, you know, pay them off in, the, in, in certain cases and from what we can tell, and again we've got very little information that's what happened this time round, but yes it does throw into question should that be the process should there be a more formal mechanism for you know permanent secretaries to effectively whistleblow on their uh, em- employer well in yeah. this case it's not their employer though it's the person with whom they have a, the most and senior relationship the, this is the issue isn't yeah. it
0: because the cabinet secretary is not in charge of the home secretary
2: well exactly and the, the so prime minister is the <laughs> cabinet secretary rightly manages the performance of the permanent secretaries that work for him or her and you know that is a matter a, a normal employment matter and the, the mechanisms are there to do it you could mm. say they should be better they should you know or or more could be done but but there's a there's a process there, the prime minister is responsible, as you say, Bronwyn, for the performance of uh, his or her ministers. Uh, there's a there's there's an irresolvable tension in that when a when a permanent secretary uh, isn't getting on for a secretary of state with, with a secretary of state on a matter that is not related to the individual's performance.
1: But it also it goes to this wider issue that why permanent secretaries in the past have usually accepted getting blame in public is because you have this uneasy balance where they, you know, supposedly speak truth to power behind the scenes, but in public. There is ministerial accountability and permanent secretaries won't go out there and say, well, the minister did this and did that and it's not my fault, but also that means that sometimes they end up getting the blame they just have to keep quiet. And for, for decades, yes, that is the, the sort of settlement that they've accepted, that eventually the history books will tell the truth. Well, what, what about if the
0: secretaries of state feel, look, that look, I don't want to take all this responsibility mm. if I don't have confidence in the permanent mm-hmm. secretary? Uh, and there's this point that indeed Amber Rudd is making about the, the Windrush thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think, uh, Alex, you said that they're, they're put together, you know, there's not even a matching process, It's not even a like arranged marriage, if you like. Um, they just lend end up with each other. Do you think we're moving towards something where ministers have more uh, power to appoint their own senior civil servants?
2: Yeah, there's no speed dating for perm sex and uh, Mm. secretaries of state. Um, uh, I think there's a good chance that we're moving in that direction. I mean, picking up on some of the uh, points from the conversation we just had, you know, Priti Patel and her allies would dispute the fact that the, the, uh, of Philip Ratnam's competence, you know the, the briefing that's come out. They would suggest that there is a problem of obstructionism or slow response or uh, or whatever. So you've got a sort of you've got a conflict of uh, mm. legitimate points there. I, I mean, the, the, putting the, the bullying and the behaviour to one side, it is legitimate for a secretary of state to get frustrated if they feel that the machine is not uh, not responding to them. I, I do think we're heading more towards. It, it may happen in that kind of very incremental British way, um, uh, or there may be something more uh, radical given the tone of this government. But I think we're heading in that direction.
1: But this is why you have appointment by merits is because it's too easy to slide from one side of personality clash where you just don't like the person to uh, blaming them for policy failures and for permanent secretaries, for civil servants. Where is the dividing line between the things that they definitely did that are on them in terms of their management of the department or policy advice that they may have provided to the minister or ministerial political decisions where you know it's not always easy for us on the outside or even the people on the inside to actually know what that line is of who was actually responsible which is why you have to have this protection against politicisation that ministers aren't too much involved in the hiring and firing of an imp- supposedly impartial civil service because it's too easy to sort of go from one All right, so plane do we go game from to here? another. Because there
0: were reports before Saturday mm. that the government also um, had in its sights uh, the um, Permanent Secretary of the Treasury, Tom Scholar, and mm. the Permanent Secretary of the Foreign Office, Simon MacDonald. So, the, you know, the big three, if you like, including mm. uh, Philip Rottenham. Are they now uh, more secure or less so?
1: You would say at the moment they're more secure because the government would want to avoid any such uh, further clash or perception of it, but this government has, you know, oftentimes Mm. uh, batted against sort of usual practice, so whether or not actually they are safer, I don't know.
2: And in the end... Very senior civil servants need the confidence of their secretaries of state yeah. and uh, the prime minister. You, you can't operate as a senior civil servant if you don't have that confidence. So in the end, the government will tend to get its way on this. Yeah. And the interesting thing will be um, in terms of uh, who uh, replaces Philip Rutnam and anybody else who leaves. You know, Are they people who are prepared to speak truth to power and have
0: the confidence of senior ministers? Well, let's come on to that finally, because uh, the Home Office has an awful lot to do mm-hmm. just this year. What, what has it got to get through? Uh,
2: uh, immigration all, all all the usual issues that yeah. uh, the Home Office grapples with which have brought down so many Home Secretaries and, and so others police, in far so crime. terrorism, police, mm-hmm. crime um, and then uh, all this immigration and then you add on okay. the Brexit delivery programme particularly around immigration but also just more broadly, uh, issues at the border and uh, uh, and, and and responding to, to to the challenges of the next twelve months—it's it's an enormous agenda, and it, it it feels to me at least that, that that's almost undoable uh, uh, on the part of the Home Office, and that is that is going to be at the root of many of these tensions that we've seen explode into. The, the this could
0: have been part of the problem—that there's mm. just too much to do. The government is trying to get uh, through all this uh, that quickly, and then inevitably the pressure is immense mm. on people.
2: So maybe that's the uh, cautious civil servant in me, <laughs> former <laughs> no. civil. servant.
0: And we're already <laughs> hearing what maybe Spin is saying, well, then, uh, of course, yeah. some of these targets may not be met because of the uh, mm, upheaval well, at,
1: it, the, uh, yeah. at the Home Office, I which mean,
0: feels a bit disingenuous.
1: It's not the first time the Home Office has been here, though. I mean, 2005 was when uh, John Reid, former um, Sec- uh, former Home Secretary, uh, famously declared that the Home Office was not fit for purpose. That's after it had major problems with its immigration system then. And so, you know, they are used to having to build up again from the mm-hmm. of. Of ground, and you know, they're used to having that sort of massive change um, at the top that has. led to all of this I mean it's worth saying though as well we are going to see departures of permanent secretaries this year we've already seen one or two but some of those have been either expected or because people stayed on for the general election so we're going to see a reshuffle of permanent secretaries anyway people may read into that more than actually is going on behind the scenes but they've got you know a huge gap to fill in the home office yeah
0: well we'll look forward to seeing who's appointed there but as you said an immense amount to do After an unprecedented resignation, an unprecedented Monday morning bonus episode of Inside Briefing, my thanks to Kath and Alex. I want to end by asking you both for a quick prediction. Will this go to court? I think not. I think it will. Mm, Thank (laughs) you. And are we going to see, uh, Kath, we were just talking about it, whether we'll see more permanent secretaries resign like this
1: in the coming months? We will see more permanent secretaries depart this year, but I don't think on the same basis.
2: It is normal for six to eight permanent secretaries every year when you think there's a co-op of about 40 to to move around. So So
0: we need to remember that. Thanks very much indeed for that. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back on Friday with our regular podcast, unless something equally seismic happens before then. So don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can stream us on Spotify too. And do leave us a constructive review. Thanks everyone. Check out our website, instituteforgovernment.org.uk for all our work and see you later in the week for another episode of Inside Briefing.